Machute Mate recognizes the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and any indigenous elders of other communities who may be listening today. We stand in solidarity in their struggle towards the colonization and land back. Buenas, mi gente. What is good? Que es la que hay? Machete Mate with a current events episode this week. I think this is our first current events of the year, right? Because the last one, the last proper episode was the review with Matt K, which is really dope, which is a review of 2021 and sort of a preview of 2022. Um, and then we did the After Dark last week. So if you haven't checked those out, definitely check those out. Um, last week we got it. We got into a little bit. There's some um, sibling rivalry there. We we disagreed on some stuff, but it was it was really really good and wholesome and um and a, and a, and a positive conversation, which is always great. Um, again, shout out to all the compas oficiales. We got a, a few new ones struggling through, so much appreciated to y'all. Um, again, if you appreciate what we do and want access to our Discord community, our book club that should be kicking off um, soonish, hopefully. Um, and all the other bits that we offer, um, consider sharing your solidarity on our Patreon at patreon.com slash machete mate. Um, will be greatly appreciated. Um, if, and if, if not, um, we just, again, we just appreciate you tuning in. Um, and would love if you just leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to us. Cause again, that, 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 um, that fucks with the algorithm and gets us out there. Right. Um, just off the bat, I'm in a pretty, I'm in a pretty, bad mood so hopefully it doesn't come out too much but austin reckons that he's in a good mood so hopefully we, we balance each other out um we just positive and t's just just cruising because that's that's t he's he's just cruising he just showed up yeah <laughs> he just walked out of bed and just like danny mcbride style and just just rocked up um that's right exactly it, it just comes with the territory right it just comes with it's in the water um uh, anyway in the rat uh, yeah uh, any anyway anyway i'm leroy coming from norm so-called mapan australia again he, we're here with the homies austin what's good man what is up buddy yeah like you said i, I feel like i'm doing a uh, doing pretty good so happy to be here uh, as always and t of course what's good dude how's it going y'all um chilling chilling you know uh, just got off work a little while ago um, what? so what yeah, ready, ready, ready to chat. Ready to chat. What about just, you? Just, yeah, go, go, go. Talk about that in your vibe check. How's it work? How are things? How's how's the snowstorm? Did it, did it come through or? No, no. So um, the I mean, we did have a little bit of snow, but it wasn't like last time. Like this time, the city actually <laughs> fucking prepared for it. Um, they actually salted stuff, and um, it wasn't so bad um and we kept power the whole time which is nice so we weren't right. without power like the first go around um so i mean that's that was always a good start to the week so yeah i mean i'm i'm cool i'm cool i i know you said you're like in a bad mood austin's a good mood i'm feeling very neutral so we got the full <laughs> spectrum here yeah. there you go <laughs> there you go austin how about you what's going on man how you been yeah i'm doing good right i'm i am i would say i'm in a fairly good mood right like as we talked on our as we've touched upon on our most recent after dark, you know, I feel like new year, new beginnings, right? I'm actually looking forward to a lot of the amazing work 
that I feel like we'll all be able to engage in this year, right? I think it's going to be an amazing year for the podcast, dare I say, right? Hey, if you, yeah. For all our Machete Matistas, if you were listening to our last full episode, right? It's an amazing year for Latin America, right? Colombia, Brazil. So there's a lot of things, I think, to, to be optimistic about in this in this bleak bleak world so yeah i, th- I think i'm i would say i'm hanging in there how, how about you leroy let's let's talk about it let's talk about it brother we got to talk about it <laughs> let's let's unpack it right now nah, like to be fair there's no real complaints except the normal bullshit um started my new job this week so i've been there and again oh, this is a chocolate. whole after just chocolate but then like it's a whole after dark conversation of like the dynamics like i was telling y'all in the chat it's like a whiplash like because where i live is a very working class immigrants english is by far a sec a distant second language um so there's a certain socioeconomic like atmosphere and mood and, and like comportment and then I've taken the train into where I'm training, into where I'm doing my training. When you get off the train, it's like a different fucking universe, man. Like it's like it's it's like I'm in, literally I'm like in a different country because the people completely different, a, much more affluent, a lot wider. Mm-hmm. The attitudes, the way they carry themselves, but that's a whole that's a whole after dark conversation. Um, other than that, opposite to um, what T was talking about, it's been hot as shit here. Um, we're meant to be in a La Nina year, um, but that's not actually happening. So it's meant to be like a lot cooler and a lot wetter, but it's a lot hotter and a lot drier. Um, so some of my plants are um, kind of taking the brunt of that, but hopefully they pull through. Um, and yeah, Ernie's doing good, which is the most important thing. Um, yeah. And yeah, what else? And the, the the whole bad mood thing is just that I fucking allow myself to get consumed by bullshit, man. Like it's typical the, the more of the story you know follow in austin's footsteps log just on. get on fucking twitter man just log off man just go go touch grass yep. touch grass go outside and touch grass <laughs> i i was gonna say i would be remiss if i didn't point out one of the main reasons i'm feeling so good these days is because i have in fact logged off so being off twitter is beautiful thing talking to, not just touching grass talking to people right oh my yeah, goodness exactly. i love talking to people so yeah, we should all we yeah. should all take a social media break from time to time. One hundred percent. Anyway, to carry on, just like any other random week, big, big, big news week in Latin America. A lot of shit going on. But we're going to focus on three stories. We're going to be touching on what's going on in Honduras, because I mean, it's one of those things that's shocking but not surprising. But it's it's just it's amazing how blatant it was. Um, but we'll get we'll get into that. We'll talk about um the the updates and the, the what's what's new coming out of um, Chile and Boric and his cabinet selection. Um, and we're gonna end the show with Puerto Rico. Like again, we we've learned from mistakes for ending the show with Puerto Rico because again, it can just consume the entire show. Um, but in saying that, Honduras. So I've we talked at length about the election there that you know um uh, Xiomara. Castro Celaya, she won, which is the person we wanted to win. We we're looking really, really hopeful. Her party was doing well. And then next minute, like I say in Australia, an incredible turn of events, like party defections, like there's a whole fucking thing in, in, in Congress and shit. Um, so things are up in the air. Things are looking pretty, pretty, I don't know, I don't want to say grim, but um, things are looking as hopeful as they once were. Austin, what the fuck's going on, dude? Oh my goodness. Um, wow. Where to start? So like, yeah, it's, um, I I guess as far as like what actually happened here, 
right? The first thing that I think it's important to point out at the top is that this is a developing story, right? This shit literally happened like yesterday. Like this is one of those stories that I wouldn't be surprised if by the time this episode comes out, even more shit has happened, right? Just because of how like completely bonkers all of this shit is. Um, But yeah, as far as kind of like what actually happened was right as the newly elected Congress of Honduras, which has the slimmest, uh, uh, governing majority by the Alianza, right? That Libre was leading. I think the majority was literally like one seat. Um, as they were going in to elect the candidate, Luis Redondo, from the Salvador de Honduras party, one of their coalition partners, right? As the president of the Congress, um, 18 members of the Libre party, Xiomara Castro's party, 18 members of the Libre party broke ranks. Um, and voted with the National Party, right? The the Conservative Party, the Narco Party, right? They voted with the National Party to elect Jorge Calix, one of the defecting Libre members, as president of the Congress instead. Um, so there's there's a lot of different layers here. I think one of the most important things to talk about off the top is that in in this whole period um, since Xiomara was elected, there were rumors of like. I would say like disunity trying to be fomented within the Alianza, right? Uh, as I mentioned, Luis Redondo is a member of the Salvador de Honduras party, right? Salvador Nostrales party. Part of the initial agreement to form the Alianza was an agreement to have one of their members be elected as Congress of Honduras, right? For Salvador Nostrales and his party to support Libre, one of the power sharing agreements they made was, was that. Uh, and that person that they had agreed upon was Luis Redondo, right? Once again, a member of Salvador's party, not Libre, but a part of the coalition. Um, in the last month, there were rumors that, oh, different Libre members, do they want to support Redondo? Should they be trying to push for their own Libre member to be elected? Um, and uh, what ended up happening, right, was right here at the last minute at the finish line, right as they're about to elect a president of the congress 18 libre party members voted with the national party right which is shock it's 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 like you put it best leroy it, it's shocking but not entirely surprising yeah i just want to jump in there like 18 is not nothing you know what i mean it's not like 18 throwaways it's like they needed everyone they could fucking get and eighteen is a significant. Is a is is not nothing. This is significant. A- absolutely, dude. And like, it's important to note as well that as people, you know, in in this interim period, we're talking about. Oh, is Libre going to continue to support Redondo for the Congress? Siomara was unwavering in her support the entire time, saying, "Yes, of course, we're going to continue to support Redondo. We have agreements with Salvador. Yes, we're, we you know it's important to maintain this." Um, so of course, you know, as these members of Congress flipped immediately, Xiomara, Mel Salaya, the other leaders within Libre immediately denounced all of them, right? Called them traitors because that is just a basic active betrayal, right? Like she's stunning, right? Called them traitors and immediately announced that they would be moving to expel them from the party just today. And this is why I call this a developing news story. Just today, just a couple hours ago, 
they were formally ex- these 18 people were formally expelled from the party. So that means a lot of different things, right? By the numbers, right? I think it's important to look at by the numbers, Libre's representation in the Congress now goes from 50 to 32, where they once had an outright plurality. Now the National Party has a plurality, right? Now, Congress was always going to be difficult, was always going to be a question here. It is in any of these situations when a leftist gets executive power, um, especially in Latin America, right? But now that the National Party, which has 44 members in their own right, in addition to these 18 floaters or whatever the fuck we're going to call them, traitors, we'll go with that one, what Mel and Ciomara have been saying, um, the question begins to become, right, because Ciomara herself, has even come out and said, um, so technically she's not been inaugurated yet. Next week is the inauguration. Um, Siomar herself has come out and said, I'm not going to get inaugurated by Jorge Calix, right? This fraudulent member of the Congress. I'm going to have a fucking judge inaugurate me, right? Fuck you guys. Um, I go back to, once again, this is a very developing situation. And guys, you know, there's a couple different things that I think we should be thinking about here, which is, do they do? Do they just push for an Im- impeachment? <laughs> like, I, I, like they're at like this is Honduras we're talking about. You think they won't? You think they won't? Right? You think they won't as soon as they as soon as Ciomar takes office with these people push for impeachment? I think that's on the table, right? And this leads me to two different thoughts that a lot of people are chewing over right now, which is one: Why the fuck did these Libre members flip? Like you said, Leor, 18s like. What the fuck? It's considerable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I think two things off the top. One, it's so sad, right? Honduras, right? But what did we say the entire time? I know I said this a million times leading into the election last year, which is, man, I see the momentum, but it's impossible for me to be optimistic about a place like Honduras where the right wing hegemony is so strong, where it served as a base for the United States literally in basically the entire 20th century. Right. As I've said before, the term banana, people forget the, the phrase banana republic. That was not coined to describe Guatemala. That was coined to describe Honduras at the turn of the century. Right. Because Honduras was the archetypal U.S. client state and always has been in Central America. So it's a shame. This moment of optimism is this is this level of rat fuckery literally about to just be uh, allowed to happen. And so I think to myself, right, if they like I, I don't rule out them pushing to impeach right it's been rumored dare i say it has been alleged by sources right (laughs) that these 18 (laughs) that these 18 libre members were bribed by the narcos bribed by the national party right which prop i mean (laughs) what (laughs) can we rule it out at this point this is astounding right because like once again it wasn't salvador's party that cracked it was libres right Right. Let, let that sink in for a moment you know so, like, once again, a, a lot to unpack there. Of course, another one of my prevailing thoughts here, consistent theme of this po- podcast, right? Consistent theme we talk about. The limits of so-called bourgeois electoral democracy, right? Oh, shit. You know, I said it. I fucking said it, right? And I say that with love, right? I say that with comradely affection, right? I think it's beautiful what Hunter, what Libre and Ciomar, like, ugh. Amazing story, right? Bouncing back from the 2009 coup, building a party, getting power outright. As I've said before, as we've said before, this election of Xiomara, first time in modern history that Honduras has elected a left-wing government, 
right? When Mel was elected the first time around, he was elected as a member of the Liberal Party, right? So once again, this is the first time that there's an actual like left-wing government getting elected in Honduras. And, and I think it's such a shame to see what has happened here, right? And and like it's impossible. These the l- Let me put it this way. Allow me to put my tinfoil hat on. Although is this even tinfoil hat? This is Honduras. It's impossible for this sort of thing to happen without the U.S. State Department knowing. I said it. I said that shit. That's exactly where I was going. My phrase is going to be like, let me put my conspiratorial hat on. But that's exactly where I was going. Like, and I don't want to take any way, anything away from the agency of like, of the Honduran people and of the amount of work that Libra put in <laughs> and the amount of work that um, Xiomara put in to get elected. But it's hard for me to fathom her victory to have been allowed or to have just happened without it having been allowed by the by the north you know what i mean because to put my tinfoil hat on i'm 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 inclined to believe that the u.s the u.s state department cia whatever was like you know what um fucking joh has been you know bullshit we want to disassociate ourselves from him Let, let 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 them have the semblance of what's going on and then we can turn around the other end and you know, mess mess with things. So now you have the defections. You have um, Siomara and Libre expelling them, expelling the eighteen um, co- uh, Congress people. So now these eighteen Congress people can turn around. Like you, you see, you see how authoritarian they are. We disagree, and they kick us out of the party. Like you see what's going on, and that just feeds the fucking propaganda. You know what I mean? Um, then again, that's me putting on my um, tinfoil hat on. But I don't think it's that unreasonable to think of. I think optimistically, um, with this, my first takeaway, honestly, is that they're legitimate. Like the Honduran upper class is legitimately fearful of what a Ziomara presidency brings, right? So that to me is a good sign. This tells me that they are, they're willing to <laughs> go all lengths. You know, clearly they're going to try to go for, I mean, I don't, I think it's, I think it's inevitable that there are going to be attempts at a constitutional uh, coup. Uh, obviously, 100%. constitutional coup. You know, this is uh, for for listeners in the United States. The majority of our listeners, of course, you know, we introduced you to the term autogolpe uh, a year ago, <laughs> right? So there's other kinds of coups, my friend. There are constitutional coups. Um, this is basically when a legislature um, engages in some chicanery um, as, as some shenanigans. Um, and replaces a duly elected, democratically elected government um, on behalf of, you know, some, you know, sinister elements in the yeah. country. We talked I'm, about it with, with Peru before the before right. the election. That's right. That's right. So this is another kind of uh, coup that can that can take place in these countries and has taken place in, in uh, countries of the South um, repeatedly. Um I think also, uh, you know, her hard line on this, you know, the leadership, the senior leaders basically saying we are not going to tolerate this is also a good sign. It shows that they have guts and they understand what the that they're in for a struggle, that they're in for a fight and they have to they have to be firm and they have to they can't like they're not in a compromising mood, which is very good and very needed. Yeah, 100 percent. Oh, my goodness. Great, great point both of you right um <clears throat> marrying a couple of those points there and t you began to spin this thread or whatever uh castillo 
right? I, I, like, you made a great point, Leroy, when you mentioned, like, how could the State Department even tolerate a CMR victory in the first place, right? Well, I, I think I have two thoughts here, right? I think back to our last episode we had with Matt, right? When Matt mentioned the importance of, like, Mexican diplomats and things like that, you know, mm-hmm. interesting, right? We can't discredit the the impact that international that this new movement to have actual international observers in these places has had. Shout out Progressive International, right? Goes without saying. Um, but once again, like it's funny. We remember on election night in Honduras, the National Party literally declared victory despite every exit poll saying they were losing <laughs> by like twenty. One of the most well, truly, like it, it's one of the most shameless things I've seen in Latin America. That says a lot, right? So like. Yeah. <clears throat> But yeah, once again, I, I start with Castillo, right? Because I, I think you're exactly right, T, right? Which is they simply came upon the conclusion of, okay, fine. You guys won the executive and it's incredibly yeah, exactly. important to the United States to keep up this charade of caring about democratic elections, right? How else will we have a cudgel against the people we don't like, right? So we will merely go about the process of sabotaging this presidency through the Congress, Right. I'm sure they were hard at work as soon as they conceded and seeing which members of Libre they could flip, right? The entire last two months, right? As soon as they conceded, they were uh, fucking Blinken or whoever the fuck or director of CIA, Burns, Mr. Burns, right? Literally saying, okay, which one of these guys can we fucking bribe, right? Some shit like that, you know? And that's what's brought us to this point, right? Sabotaging through the Congress, which is why I say here what we said consistently about Peru. This is why that constitution change is so critically important, right? Mm-hmm. The system's yeah. rigged, guys, right? This is why we this is why I pejoratively say or we pejoratively say struggling in bourgeois democratic elections or whatever the fuck or bourgeois electoral systems, right? These systems are designed to empower their bureaucracies, to empower their oligarchies, right? Honduras, Peru, and this is why one of the most critically important things that happened in Venezuela, Bolivia, or Ecuador, though, of course, Ecuador is a special case, was shredding those constitutions, right? Was starting those processes with, we are changing the constitution and delivering. That, you know, that you mentioning bureaucracy reminds me of a very important uh, principle that has been at work in 21st century socialist movements and in parties, which is opposition to the bureaucracy. Now we see this Uh, most uh, acutely in places like Venezuela and Bolivia, where they've had many, many years of of political struggle as well as ruling socialist parties. So there's this idea of the bureaucracy as the enemy. One of the most important parts of 21st century socialist movements has been to purge bureaucracies, right? That is, you know, after the constitution, purging bureaucracy might be the next most important thing, because as you said, these systems empower their bureaucracies. I would say that, I mean, this is true of, frankly, all states. You know, this is, you know, a bureaucrat wants to protect their power. That's just facts, right? Yeah. What do you like to say, Austin? Government's been a government, right? Um, and part of that is is bureaucrats ensuring that their own little systems are protected and, you know, potentially expanded. Um, I think, you know, something to... This is a phenomenon we see in the United States, too. Like... Ask yourself this question. Why is it that we have to fill out so many fucking forms all day long for anything, to do anything, to get anything? There's always a form for it. There's a form A, form B, 6-2-L, you know, and then they lose it. And then, oh, it was misfiled. Oh, you have to go back. Oh, you need a signature from this person, right? There's no reason for this to exist. 
This is this is bureaucratic bullshit that is designed to control people, to to fuck up people's brains. It operates in the United States. It operates in operates in Latin America. And a cardinal value of socialists, honestly, is to burn the paperwork. Oh, my goodness. T, you fucked up. You want to know why you fucked up? Mm. You're about to get me start talking about Venezuela. Mm. Oh my, <laughs> we're about to be here forever. So I'm going to try we and can talk about China. Oh gosh! <laughs> well, I'll keep this to soundbite form. I will keep this to soundbite form, which is, this is why I champion Venezuela. This is why we champion Venezuela, right? I would say, right? I don't see many other, if any, other truly like socialist projects in the world today that have had as much success as Venezuela has. That that once again is, I would argue though this might be a hot take for people out there, I would argue, is premised on direct democracy based in the communes, right? Actual democratic control of people's lives, right? Not just whoever the fuck the figurehead is, democratic control of people's lives, right? And what often happens in the Venezuelan communes? They come in conflict with the bureaucracy, Right. They come in conflict with the bureaucracy, which is why we always say, right, is Venezuela perfect? Of course it's not. Right. It's a socialist project. You got to analyze it. You got to learn from it and you got to champion it in the face of U.S. aggression. Right. That's that's what I would say. Once again, now I'm getting on my goddamn Venezuela soapbox. Once again, just as we've said a million times, it just frustrates me whenever I think about Venezuela and think about this idea that people just can't look past Maduro or Pasuve, right? Venezuela is so much deeper than all of that, right? Truly the, one of the most amazing experiments of socialism in, in our lifetimes. I think that's un, un, in, inarguable. But we're talking about Honduras, right? We're not talking about Venezuela. <laughs> Although we, anyways, um, the last thing I'll say here on Honduras, right? Um, once again, it's a developing story. I wonder what happens next, right? I wonder yeah. what happens next. I, I say a couple different things here as I as I leave uh, you all thinking about Honduras, um, which is I wonder what that like I, I've been disappointed at the lack of attention this story has had. Right. Personally, I don't think enough people are talking about it or appreciating how important this is. Um, <clears throat> I wonder if something similar like this had happened in Nicaragua. Right. How fucking completely insane U.S. media would be acting. Right. If 18 members of an opposite of a ruling party were proven to be bribed by like narcos to like flip against their government right that's some insane shit um i think there's a reason the story is getting buried um and i think it it will continue to get buried because it is in it's it's as simple as it is in the u.s's best interests for people not to be talking about this uh because just like we learned in the bolivian coup in 2019 right people paying attention observing this was critical to reversing that coup obviously in addition to the to the power of the bolivian people yeah, 100%. And before we move on to um, talk about Chile, I just want to add that we we actually talked about this like a couple of months ago, that the reason why these things keep happening in Honduras and in Central America is no one in the U.S. gives a shit about Central America because they can get away with these things. You know what I mean? Like the biggest thing could happen in Honduras, Guatemala, whatever, but it wouldn't matter because no one gives a shit, and which is why historically they've been you know emphasizing doing that's why central america has always been the proving ground for all the bullshit so to me a person that's surprising that it's not getting that that much traction like you said if it happened in nicaragua it'll be all over the place because nicaragua is a rogue state it's part of the excess of evil it's this or that whatever you know what i mean it's an actual declared enemy of the united states whereas honduras is nothing guatemala is nothing all these all these yeah. central american countries are nothing you know what i mean um what's that 
client states. Not only nothing, they're client also states. client states. It's in once again. Exactly right. It's it's the same reason why the United States no one talks about like the daily massacre of indigenous people in Colombia. Because mm. you know what I mean? It's like no one no one gives a shit because it's in the in the capital's best interest, in the United States' best interest for this not to, you know, to get out there. Anyway, enough about that. We'll keep the ball rolling. We'll talk about Chile, where um Boric has selected his cabinet. Couple of hits, couple of misses, couple of ambivalent sort of things in there. Um, couple of positives is, is a majority woman cabinet, um, which is great. But obviously, in and of itself, identity doesn't necessarily you know get us to where we need to go. Um, there's a mix of good radical people, liberals, and centrists, which aren't which isn't necessarily great. But um, again, like it's this is a great opportunity to continue to emphasize the fact that like yeah getting boards there is great him having the power to appoint these people um is great moving away from um preventing a a neo pinochet uh president is great but at the end of the day getting that constitution is the number one priority um i'm feeling i don't want to say optimistic but i'm not necessarily hating the situation what do you what do you guys think austin let's say you know i got thoughts you know, I got thoughts about yeah. this. That's um, why I was kicking off to you first. Love you, buddy. Um, <clears throat> a couple different things, too. Like you said, it's a majority female cabinet, right? Which, of course, doesn't necessarily mean anything in and of itself. But this is Latin America, right? This is machista exactly. culture, right? So I think that is an important thing to 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 recognize and to uplift. Um, I just have to, as as a nerd, right? You guys know me. I got I got all these books behind me. The listeners can't see right now, but I got a bunch of books behind me, right? That's the mark of somebody who knows what they're talking about, right? right. Exactly. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Thanks. Look at these. You see books, Anyways, and you have glasses so, on as well. So you're a scientist. I do have glasses on. That's true. That is true. Thank you, Leroy. Have you have you finished Have you finished uh, coloring in the books? Here's the thing. That's no people don't got to know what these <laughs> books are, right? The point is that I got books behind me. Okay. Thank you very much. Now, what I was going to say before I was rudely interrupted, right, was that as a nerd, we're all three nerds here, right? I just have to reiterate something I know I've said before, but I have to say again at the top of the story. Guys, this is Chile. Wow. Mm. Right? This was yeah. Sebastian Pinier. This was Sebastian Piñera's Chile. Not just that, this was the right wing miracle, right? This was the right wing golden child, right? One of the few places that people in the United States at least kind of discourse about, right? Because the far right loves Pinochet, right? Loves the example of, of Chile and all that shit. So, like, once again, just taking a step back and think about, wow, this is a cabinet with members of the Communist Party in it. Right. In Chile. Wow. Right. With Allende's granddaughter as the Minister of Defense, Maya Fernandez. Is that what you're about to say, Leroy? That's exactly where I was going. Like, even if it's ceremonial, <laughs> even if it's just a ceremonial, just fuck you, it's still a very good fuck you. Because the the granddaughter of the president that was murdered by the military is now in charge of the military. It's just chef's kiss. It's beautiful, right? It's poetic, right? There's a whole lot of poetry in this whole goddamn scenario. So, like, amazing. We got members of the Communist Party in the cabinet, right? And of course. That famous picture of the three student leaders from 10 years ago, right? Boric, Vallejo, and Jackson. Boric, president, Camila Vallejo from the Communist Party, will essentially function as press secretary of this cabinet, right? Giorgio Jackson, 
right? Who's in Revolution Democratica, Social Democrat Party, right? He will be a uh, secretary general of the presidency, right? That's his official title, right? So, wow, like this is amazing. These, this is the student leaders taking government, right? Or at least the historical student leaders taking government. So that's amazing, right? And like you said, Leroy, this is like diving into actually kind of the meat of this, right? This is like a unity cabinet, right? I have no illusions of that. I'm sure we three have no illusions of that, right? This is not like the Holy Grail or whatever. Once again, just trying to bring a little bit of perspective. Um, I think what's critical, and as we've discussed in, in previous Chile episodes, is once again, keeping together the Aparuebo Dignidad Coalition, right? So I think it's important to have different members of that coalition represented in here, right? In the end, this is a government, right? It's still a government. Right. We shouldn't expect it to fucking create unicorns and rainbows and shit. Right. <clears throat> and Leroy, you even touched upon Boric's foreign policy bullshit, which I'm sure we'll get into in a moment. Um, but just once again, I just wanted to, to reflect on the to once again reflect on because it's just amazing to me. Right. Just wanted to once again reflect on the, the history of it all. I mean, we can't neglect like the misses here. So like Mario Marcel as the uh, finance yeah. minister, he is yeah. former. He is the current head of the of the Chile's central bank, and as we know, I mean Chile, that <laughs> to be the head of the central bank in Chile, you're coming from a the original. You are a descendant of the Chicago boys, so like, it, there's some good people in this cabinet, and then there's some fuckheads in this cabinet. Like, there's we can't make any bones about it. It you know honestly, it it very much reminds me of it's a Lincoln esque team of rivals cabinet. Oh, he said it. Um, yeah, I said it. I'm sorry. I should be fucking punched in the mm-hmm. dick for saying this, but it's true. It's it. It reminds me. That's what immediately comes to mind is that he, he, he's he's developed a unity go- a unity government. Frankly, as you mentioned, um, from the looks of it, uh, Chile, <laughs> the the economy, the economy gods uh, were pleased with this cabinet. Um, as the Chilean peso has uh, rebounded some of their losses recently yeah. because of his. <laughs> victory as we know anytime um uh anytime there's a chance people might get good things the economy suddenly has a sad and suddenly gets very angry and all the line go down um <laughs> so apparently this um this helped rebound the the chilean peso now it could be that just i'm hoping that boric is being is this is him playing rope dope that he's being smart that if like he nominates an entire cabinet of radicals, like he's just asking for the kind of shit that Castillo and Peru has been dealing with that Ziomara Castro is currently dealing with in Honduras. But I don't know because Borch is no fool and he's been an organizer for many years and he's kind of, he's in the mainstream quote unquote, you could call it that of, of the international modern socialist left. Like he, he's much more intelligible as a figure um, to uh, an, to you know to someone based in the United States than than some other left wing leaders in the in, in Latin America, um, I'm hoping this is a sign of him just being wise and clever um, versus like him just compromising from the get go. Once again, remains to be seen. Great points there, T. Two threads I'd love to pick up here. One consistent theme of once again the limits of bourgeois electoralism. Right. Yeah. I think that's yeah. another big another big uh, point here. Right. Um, which is important to bring up um, <clears throat> the second thing, which is truly exciting to me. Right. The Castillo comparison, as you mentioned, I look back on all the big victories 
in Latin America last year. And in many ways, when I look at Xiomara, when I look at Pedro Castillo, when I look at Gabriel Boric, I see different paths. I see different roads, yeah. right? How about we as scientists use this time to see which ones have more success, right? And obviously material conditions are different in each country, right? Obviously it goes Honduras, Peru, and Chile. There's a gulf of difference between those three places, right? Of course. Um, but once again, I look at what's happened with Castillo, right? He came out ball swinging. He had his fucking prime minister speaking Quechua in the fucking Congress of Peru. And he's, his ass has been fucking sabotaged to shit in part due to inexperience, right? And being manipulated by the oligarchy in Peru, right? I'd say that goes without saying. Um, perhaps, though, going to your point, T, perhaps some of Castillo's failures resulted to a lack of pragmatism, right? And I don't, and I was about to say, and I don't mean that to say like, oh, it's good to have an asshole as your minister of the finance or whatever the fuck. Fuck no, right? If anything, I favor the Castillo approach, right? Going balls out, <laughs> which is, but this is, why, but this is why I go back to, hey, we're going to be able to see which is more successful, right? We're going to be able to see which one is more successful um, because we are seeing uh, an approach from Boris that is much more in line with main mainstream social democratic politics, right? I, I mean, I'd say that's clear, right? That's clearly the lane that he's trying to occupy. And I relate that to, as we touched upon earlier, our boy Boric maybe showing his ass a little bit, right? Our boy Boric maybe showed his ass a little bit when he was talking shit earlier today about, uh, was it today or earlier in the week or today, where, oh, he created the classic social Democrat mistake in Latin America. What did he do, guys? He repeated one of, I know, my least favorite tropes. I think it's one of your least, uh, all of our least favorite tropes, which is, you see, uh, you know, I want to follow in the footsteps of Bolivia and Brazil. But ah, that nasty Venezuela and Nicaragua, nah, right? Man, T, I remember when people were saying this when Chavez was alive, right? Yep. When people would say shit like, you see Lula and the Workers' Party in Brazil and Nestor Kirchner in Argentina, they're doing it the right way, right? But Chavez of Venezuela, oh, right? And Lula, to his credit at the time, would always come out and say, my revolution is the same as Chavez's motherfuckers. They would do, they, you know, before Evo Morales became the most popular man in the international left, they used to say the same shit about him. Dude! The same fucking shit. I was just about to go there. I find it, it's so fascinating to me. Has, how now, post-coup, oh, Bolivia's good. Everybody accepts yeah, it. Because yeah. you don't want to be that asshole saying the indigenous state is bad, right? You don't want to be that guy. Right. Unless you're a fraud. Exactly. Well, shit, you said it. He said it, not me. Don't cancel my ass. <laughs> right. So, oh, my goodness. But it's amazing to me. You it, you hit the fucking nail on the head there, T. It's amazing to me how, how now who the fuck would be caught dead talking shit about Bolivia when right now you guys remember how many people were trying to talk shit in the lead up to the coup. Right. Oh, the big yeah. protest. Blah, blah, blah. Shut the fuck up. Right. As you, as I quoted you, T, recently, not every protest movement is created equal. Yeah, I was literally just about to say that. You know, like it's you can't, you can't, you know. It, look, I get it. It looks fun and cool when people are burning down government buildings, but when those people burning down government buildings are stringing up swastikas right afterwards, exactly. I'm inclined to think that's a bad thing. Remember yeah. that you know, <laughs> riots for good things are good. Riots for bad things are bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. Very simple. Very simple, <laughs> right? And it's of course we'd be remiss without dis- saying that Luis Arce, Luce Ar- Lucho Arce has never wavered in his support of, of Venezuela. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think that like this is the classic mistake because obviously we talk a lot about the U.S. doing it, the global North doing it, projecting their sensibilities on like the global South. But even within the global South, like there's this tendency, and it's 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 one it's something that's very common among liberals as well, projecting their sensibilities on other global South countries. So, and you see with Latin America, so you see leaders, supposedly left leaning leaders of Chile now, for example, talking about all oh, you know Venezuela's doing it wrong, they should do it like bad and blah 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 blah. When like again, we talk about like applying things to like local conditions. Like when we talk about like Mariategui, he does a very good job of talking about what happened in Latin America, how societies built Latin America, and how Peru was different, and why things couldn't have developed into Peru the way they've developed elsewhere, and why things in Venezuela couldn't have developed the same way they developed in Chile and all all these you know everywhere else. And again, it's it's an unmaterialist way of conceiving like solidarity i think i think another important thing to mention is the fact that you know i i like that you brought that up you know the tendency of people in the global north to impose their views on uh, uh you know the rest of the world i think another point and this is a, a another trap that is that tends that left-wingers tend to fall into which is to assume that or or to, to kind of discount how sinister and horrible uh, uh, upper classes are in countries themselves, sometimes they don't actually need the State Department's help. They were trained, their militaries were trained decades ago, so they're just passing on lessons that they learned from the Cold War. Um, there are nasty motherfuckers in every single country, so it's important when we're analyzing not to discount the influence of the, of the United States especially, um, but also to remember that there are internal actors and internal social forces in these countries that need to be analyzed. If you really want to understand a place, you need to understand the balance of forces within a country itself before you, exactly. you know, maybe assume, you know, something about the country, um, assume that you are, um, maybe I'm referencing, um, things for after dark, but, uh, go on. <laughs> oh, geez. You get me in trouble again. Um, <clears throat> no, two big things. I'd two last things I'd, I'd say here before we move on to Puerto Rico. Um, Foreign policy is never easy, right? I recognize that foreign policy is never easy. Uh, But come on, man. A bare minimum is not adding to weak-ass narratives that are just fundamentally untrue. That's bare minimum, right? Attempting to cater to a State Department, that's not going to give a fuck about you either way, right? That's bare minimum, dude. As uh, as your mama should have told you, you ain't got nothing nice to say? Don't fucking say it, bro. Very simple. Right. And our boy, before I pivot to you, Leroy, and I have another thing that I'd love to say here. Our boy, Jorge Ariasa, I think had a really good response tweet. He said something to the effect of, uh, my man, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for people in Venezuela struggling decades before you did. Right. Changing the narrative within Latin America, paving the way for people like you. Right. Which is fundamentally the truth. And I have one one last point here, which is perhaps a bit of a hot take. Right. Not trying to make people mad, but I feel like in inclined to say this um i find it interesting when i see a certain group of leftists online very critical of boric's rhetoric toward venezuela 
However, I also see this same group of leftists trying to court Nayib Bukele, who has been even worse than Boric in his rhetoric toward Venezuela. So I find it hilarious when I see these people say, oh, Bukele, okay, look, he's shitting on the U.S. government. Ha ha ha. Bukele reversed Salvador Sanchez's policy of recognizing the Maduro government. So when Boric shits on Venezuela, avalanche shitstorm. When Bukele shits on Venezuela, oh, he's cool crypto, bro. Let's let's try and be nice to him, right? Now, once again, that might offend some people, but I feel compelled to, to say that. I, I, I swear, I, like, I have not seen these people, and I hope never to see that because I cannot understand how anybody who would even, like, <laughs> how anybody could consider themselves a left-winger would bother thinking that Nayib Bukele is anything but a just a fucking hustler who mm-hmm. is robbing his people blind he's robbing his people even as we speak constantly literally propping today up, uh, crashes. yeah literally today just propping up bitcoin crashes excuse me i'm sorry president fuckboy president fuckboy of el salvador um i that that is absolutely remarkable to me i mean the man is is the devil he's the fucking devil yep yeah, 100%. And like, Austin, that's exactly what I was going to go. Like, at the very least, as a supposed like left, leftist leader of a South American country, at the bare minimum, don't say anything. Oh, I think Venezuela, their, their issues of their concern would have been would have, would have been yeah. perfect. But their quote by Jorge Ariasa was, was perfect. If it wasn't for people like, like Chavez, for Venezuela, left-wing movements would have been dead ages ago ages ago in Latin America. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like respect your elders. You know what I mean? Which is why at the very least, shut the fuck up. Don't fucking say anything. Don't fucking say anything. Anyway, we'll keep the ball rolling before you run out of time here. So we're going to pivot to Puerto Rico. Again, last but definitely not least. What what, what do we say about Puerto Rico? It's a fucking clown show. It's a Looney Tunes show every fucking day. Um the State Department unleashed their um, their 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 social media people online this week, which is partly why I'm in a fucking bad mood. Um, there's been some debt restructuring as well, where a portion of the massive debt has been canceled, which creates other issues. Whatever. Um, ah, psh, what is there to say? What is there to say about Puerto Rico? Leroy, no, you you kick us off. You're the one that's waging war online with statehooders. Tell tell us how that's been going. It's look one thing that fucking pisses me off. This is one guy. I'm not gonna say his, you know, whatever because I don't give a shit. He's <laughs> he's he's Indian American, so his parents, you know, are, are from India. He was born and raised Democratic Party, right? And anytime you bring it up and talking about like how he's perpetuating like colonial bullshit, it's like, oh yeah, me, the 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 guy of Indian descent is being a colonizer, and it's like. If any fucking person on the fucking planet should understand the dynamics of fucking colonialism, it's this motherfucker. But that's the that's the strategy of the Democratic Party of Libs because their entire thing is identity politics, devoid of any class analysis. So because sending out their 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 their, their, their white guys to do this, there's a like accusations of of being a, a colonizer have more legitimacy in their eyes than calling a brown person because how can a brown person be a colonizer they're brown you know what i mean when it's it's all fucking bullshit like colonialism is the perpetuation of 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 the system not words or what the fuck you look like 
Tea, go ahead before I fucking. You know, honestly, this is no, no, no. I'm glad we're we're gonna talk about this a little bit as as part of the discussion on Puerto Rico because. Honestly, you know, this reminds me of something recently that happened in Chicago with their horrible little goblin of a mayor, Lori Jesus. Lightfoot. Um, oh, yeah. Fucking, um, she she said <laughs> she was getting criticized by a uh, CTU leader, the teachers union up there, um, and she said it was it was not the first time that a privileged white man had criticized her, and it's just it's remarkable remarkable to me that this horrible little goblin. This little gremlin, something that looks like she popped out of fucking Gizmo's back, fucking um, had the fucking nerve to say, you know, remember her kids are, you know, in private school to talk shit about a a, a teachers union leader. But uh, that prelude to this, um, that's the the cynicism of these of these moves by by liberals is kind of remarkable. And I just want to, you know, I just want to say that any <laughs> I command any any white person or or american you know someone who isn't puerto rican do not let them fucking like bullshit you or fuck your brain up with this stuff do not let them like tell you like get you questioning yourself thinking oh well maybe they do have a point maybe you know i should you know maybe self-determination is the way to go it's the way to avoid no 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 fucking get some guts get some guts be firm do not you know stick to your principles independence has always been the revolutionary value independence is 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 the left-wing value everyone from michael harrington to che guevara supported independence this has been the goal one of the goals for the left um has been independence for puerto rico for generations now do not let these cynical liberal dickheads fucking try to like get you to like just fuck your head up with this identity politics bullshit because you know what is something that we learned especially in our studies of bolivia bolivia's political history they had this debate they had this debate between um people who who were more like purely indigenous uh, separatists there was also the Cateristas, and there were also what we would call like class reductionist Marxists, right? They had this argument in the 70s and 80s. What they found worked was the Cateristas position, this yeah. position that integrated and unified both uh, philosophies into one. That's what works because, you know, identity politics without class politics isn't a politics at all. It just enforces and enshrines the system. It just gives it a different face and a different accent, you know, to echo, you know, a famous line from James Connolly a century ago in relation to Ireland. Yeah. And the thing what we need to understand as well is that for liberals, their entire conception of the world is that America is fundamentally good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when it comes to Puerto yes. Rico, they can't conceive of an option where Puerto Rico is not part of the United States, which is why they talk about the the rights. Oh, like, what do you, you want Puerto Rico to, be, you know, to continue to be a colony? Like, I'm fucking, like, dripping with my words because I'm so angry. They can't conceive of a world where Puerto Rico is independent because what that means, it means that an entire nation of people has rejected the United States, has rejected, has rejected liberals. And how can you reject liberals in the Democrat Party? They're the good guys. They're the smartest people in the room. Like, it's, it's bullshit. It's almost, it's only a small cadre who you know believes in independence or whatever and like if they truly believed in granting puerto ricans quote-unquote civil rights and human rights and blah 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 through through statehood why do they never frame their their entire outlook through hawaii right because i know if i supported statehood i'd be talking to hawaiians you know we've fucking destroyed your culture we've destroyed your language how can we how can we make statehood for another nation work better you know what i mean like it's Puerto Rican statehood 
is the product of wannabe comprador wasp Puerto Ricans. Like they want to replicate fucking Martha's Vineyard liberals because if you see them, like any picture of them, they're always in their suit and tie, whatever. Like. Which, which is fine, but they want to replicate that Washington lanyard fucking West Wing thing. You know what I mean? It, they, yeah. they want to be part of Washington. They want to be part of that in-group. In their entire idea is divorce of any actual material reality, which is why their entire argument is always based on polls. Oh, well, the polling and the, and the plebiscite. But they always dismiss when you bring up the entire fucking history of Puerto Rico and what's led up to the results of the, of the plebiscites. A, a great way to short circuit these people is ask them which one, which one, which vote, yeah. which yeah. vote. Oh, there's yeah. been six votes. There's been seven votes. The, the votes are, are meaningless. And, and the fact that they continuously cite them is just a wonderful demonstration of either their cynicism or their fucking stupidity. Yeah, 100 percent. And I'm glad you brought that up because one of the one of the pushbacks they get, oh, well, they're just sore losers. I bet, you know, if independence had won, they'd believe in it. Personally, I wouldn't give a shit because at the fundamental level, they're fucking pointless. They, they're a colonial imposition. You could have a hundred you could have a hundred percent turnout and independence was 100 by 100 percent. And I still wouldn't give a shit because it's, it's it's fucking pointless. It's it's useless. It's a paternalistic colonial imposition that's never going to happen. Like like you said, T. Like plebiscite, which one? Apparently, statehood has dominated each one, and nothing's fucking happened. So why would I think that if independence won, things would be different? Like you know what I mean? Like sh- like shut the fuck up. No, yeah, m- million percent to all of that, and I would just follow up with a couple different points. <laughs> I'm angry. I think you, I think you made a great point there, um, and it's something we've talked about in the past, which is, what is who is statehood good for? It's good for white Puerto Ricans, right? Nobody's doing anything for Afro Boricuas, right? Statehood ain't gonna do shit for Afro Puerto Ricans, right? Fundamentally, um, and I, it's something that I always think is important to mention is that, honestly, any position that isn't accompanied with a demand for reparations. And a truth commission. Let's be totally honest. For the last yeah. century of violence, yeah. yeah, any 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 position, whether it's independence, statehood, any position, right, that doesn't come with those two demands, is it inherently telling on itself, in my opinion, right? You know, I, I laugh whenever I see these so-called liberal or socialist statehooders say things like, "Okay, you're right," you know, independence movement has been crushed, blah blah. Well, what the fuck, right? Let's do something about it, right? No sort of path forward for Puerto Rico that does not include reparations, some sort of truth commission, and, and as we'll get into as yes, and as we'll get into in here a moment, right? Full cancellation of the debt to me yep. is is a, a a bullshit position. Go ahead, T. One third of Puerto Rican women were sterilized in the last century. Okay. We've mentioned this before. Some of you may already know that. One third, okay? In our parents' lifetime. In our our parents' lifetime. It is a miracle and a testament to our people's strength that we are still fucking here. And it infuriates them. It enrages them. That's why they're doing their best to purge and, what do we like to say, gentrify the entire island. They want to get rid of Puerto Ricans. They've tried for over a hundred years. They have not succeeded and they will not fucking succeed. Make no mistake about it. I think it's important to point out when you talk about the sterilizations, right? They targeted black and brown women, 
right? That's this right. was a project yeah. of ethnic cleansing, right? It, any once again, another thing that I will add to you know the reparations conversation. Any analysis of Puerto Rico that doesn't incorporate the ethnic cleansing that has been engaged in by the United States against the black and brown populations is totally missing the fucking mark. Totally missing the fucking mark, right? So once again, there's a reason why there's this the 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 this white comprador class, as you mentioned, Leroy, has so much power, right? The United States has put the thumbs on the scales for them time and time again, right? Consciously so during the former half of the 20th century, right? I would say consciously so during the whole century, but that's you know a whole other conversation. Um, so the last thing I will say here before I pass to you, Leroy, and I suppose we can get into the meat of the story is critical support, not even, crit- uh, dare I say, uncritical support to our great comrades, Paulette and Sam on Independentista yeah. waging war yeah. on these goddamn statehooders. Yeah. Uncritical yeah. support. Yeah. Because crazy. because on that point you see the um you see the misogyny come out as well, which is really which is really really yeah. telling. And again, before we pivot to the actual story what we were meant to cover, touching on the ethnic cleansing and stuff like that, what we need to understand is the sterilization was an extension of testing like birth control, whatever. And mm. Let's say we give them the benefit of the doubt that it wasn't an actual explicit attempt to ethnically cleanse us. It was, it was collateral damage. It was, it was acceptable collateral damage. You know what I mean? All these women are sterilized. Well, that's just the price or whatever, which we have to live with the effects of. And that's another thing that you get a lot of like pro statehooders talk about, especially Puerto Rican statehooders talking about that those of us who are for independence, they they try to paint us as like ethno nationalists because we talk about the gringos who are moving in and gentrifying everything. Goes, oh yeah, you ethno nationalists and blah blah blah. These neo Taino wannabes, blah blah blah. I had this one guy like comment to me, goes, oh well, you probably hate Dominicans like coming to Puerto Rico. I'm like, no. I fucking I I fucking love Dominicans. I love the Haitians that come through. I love the Cubans who come through. I love all the Caribbean people who come to Puerto Rico. You know why? Because they're in Puerto Rico escaping the neo-colonial effects that are destroying them. And that if Puerto Rico represents a slightly better chance for their children to 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 eat and survive, however marginal, by all means come to Puerto Rico. The difference is the gringos who are moving in, that's not what they're doing. They're they're, they're doing the complete fucking opposite, making the opposite true. So there's a difference between being ethno-nationalist and, and rejecting fucking further colonial exploitation and imposition. You know what I mean? So sh- so don't fucking play the ethno-nationalist fucking bullshit. Yo, this is why... God damn it, we could go on this thread for a million fucking years, right? This is why right. independence is just an aspect of it, right? There's more than just independence, Right. Exactly. I will, instead of going down a whole road of pan-Caribbeanism and socialism and all this other bullshit, because you mentioned Dominicans, Leroy, you fucked up. You mentioned Dominicans, right? I will merely say what the Godfather said, right? It's not about leaving the United States. It's about joining the rest of the world. Simple, yeah. right? That's what yeah. independence is about. It's not about leaving the United States. It's about joining the rest of the world. Anyways, right. god damn it. Okay, we're basically at an hour. I haven't even gone into this fucking story. Okay. Yeah, you just want to just want to go. Let's go straight into it. Yeah, let me try. So, let me try. Okay, yeah, let's, so let's go straight into it. I'm no fucking mathematician. I'm no economist, right? So we're about to be talking about monopoly money, right? This this whole debt shit. It's monopoly yeah, money, right? Ninety billion dollars a debt. What the fuck, right? So, <clears throat> for a while, 
people have been uh, protesting, asking for like an audit of the debt, saying, oh, this a lot the debt's got to get canceled. A lot of this was accrued by bullshit means and stuff like that. People have been protesting Judge Taylor Swain, right? The U.S. judge that's been presiding over this. Well, just this week, uh, a portion of the debt was in fact canceled. Once, like 30 plus billion of it, right? This is once again why I go back to monopoly money, right? What the fuck does this even mean, right? This doesn't mean Puerto Rico is no longer in debt. Puerto Rico still has a fuckload of debt. Another big aspect of this deal, and there's a lot of different things I think we can dive into here that we could go on forever. Another big aspect of this deal, get this guys, right? <clears throat> it also, because I don't know if you saw this, a lot of the members of La Junta were super supportive of this deal. Right, no surprise there. Yeah, they were particularly which is red flags. I was about to say, I'm sure this provision I'm about to mention is one of the biggest reasons they loved it. It stipulates that La Junta will not dissolve or cease to exist until Puerto Rico has had five straight years of balanced budgets. Right. So what does that mean, guys? <laughs> that means Junta in perpetuity, uh. motherfuckers. That's what that means. That means permanent unelected control board. That or even worse, crushing austerity. They're either going to be there forever or overnight, they're going to start cutting everything. Dude, you're a million percent right. Which is why I'd say, like, how can we say, oh, okay, I'm just going to cut off one of your legs? You're welcome. What? That doesn't make any fucking sense, right? So, like, yes, the austerity is still going to be crushing, right? PREPA is still bankrupt and getting privatized, right? Come on. This doesn't solve fucking anything. So, once again, Peep, our beautiful Peep friends had, uh, jo- I believe it was it was Joseph Stiglitz testified to Congress, right? A noted leftist economist or whatever. Fuck Joseph Stiglitz, right? Yeah. And he, Ish. yeah, he's ally. I guess it would be a better phrase. Anyways, like he said by his brilliant economist calculations, right? I'm no fucking economist. That Puerto Rico, uh, uh, with this deal, will declare a second bankruptcy by 2036. <sighs> With this bullshit-ass deal. So if we think this is like a step in a positive direction, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm fucking, honestly, fellas, I'm fucking tired of this shit. I'm, I'm absolutely tired of, like, constantly, like, every six months we discuss the newest debt deal, the newest debt package, the newest fucking brink, uh, the newest fucking game of chicken between the, uh, legislate, the Puerto Rican legislature and, um, you know, the coalition of Wall Street vultures and devils. Um, and the Silicon Valley tech fucks. This is just a game. They've been playing this game constantly every six months. The only, <laughs> I, I don't see, you know, I guess the theme of the episode has been the limits of elect- of like bourgeois electoral politics. Nobody. Like I don't see a solution to Puerto Rico's debt problem without just a complete and utter repudiation, right? Or, you know, take independence too. Like, I mean, independence can never be granted by the metropole, frankly, in my opinion. Exactly right, man. Independence is one. It's Mm. we grab it, right? And honestly, I don't see how I don't see how the austerity ends. I don't see how the control and the slicing up because they've taken Puerto Rico. They've taken the islands like a fucking uh like a piece of cattle and they're slicing off pieces and cuts and they're served they're grilling it up and they're serving it off okay this goes to uh the guys who think that they can like fucking crypto their way to uh their to a some kind of utopia oh this piece goes to the greed fu- you know the coke addled freaks 
uh, from uh, New York City. You know, this piece goes to the local uh, gentry bigwigs and shithead uh, slumlords based in the islands. Oh, and this piece goes to the fuckers in San Juan who are, you know, are busy uh, extracting value and, and sucking uh, places like Veque, uh, uh dry. Um, this, I don't, I just, I'm tired of this fucking conversation. It's such bullshit. And then there's this, just a stream of laudatory op-eds from the New York Times, from all the major papers of, of, of the United States, you know, to, you know, clapping like fucking seals, to, you know, about how wonderful this is, how this is great, how this is going to put Puerto Rico on a stable financial footing. No, 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 Puerto Rico doesn't have a stable financial footing because the United States fucking uh, controls the floor. The United States, it's, it's like Puerto Rico is on a table and the United States likes to fucking shake the table. 1,000%. And I got a few things here. Um, one less controversial, probably one more controversial. But going back to the crypto bros, like they, they, they contribute nothing to Puerto Rico. No, They're there totally. consuming resources, contributing nothing. The entire reason for them being there is they don't pay taxes. Guess what? Even if you tax them at like half a fucking percent, that will go a long fucking way to paying off this fucking debt. You know what I mean? But that's not happening. Also, we got to understand how much power is behind this. Eric Adams, the newly elected uh, mayor of New York City, one of his first fucking actions was to, like, if not the night he was elected, the next night was to fly to Puerto Rico, meet with Brock Pierce and all the people there. Bill de Blasio just recently, Bill de Blasio just recently flew to Puerto Rico, met with Brock Pierce. You know what I mean? So there is so much fucking power behind this that that is the status quo. And one thing that I, I, I tell people, even to fucking statehood, is that they refuse to fucking understand this. Like, capital necessitates precarity among its oppressed people. That's right. Bingo. In the, in the colony. That's the whole point of imperialism. The fact that, like, capitalism needs to expand. It's expanded as far as it could within the metropole. So it needs to expand to the colonies. Like, this is fucking, like... Mm -hmm. Lenin 101, you know what I mean? Like, so it's in the United States' best interest to keep Puerto Rico as it is now. Two or three, whatever, whatever fucking number I'm on. The only solution is hot take, motherfucking people's war. And I don't oh, mean necessarily, you know, shit. fucking getting machetes, oh. shooting people down. I mean, maybe, oh. but we've, we, all we talk about is, all we talk about is the limits of bourgeois democracy. And what I mean about people's war is basically going up against the state powers. Setting up fucking, listen to me. Hey, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Listen to me. How many fucking abandoned schools are there in Puerto Rico? They're all fucking closing down. That's another thing. This week or last week, whatever the fuck it was, they've announced further closures. There are entire sections of the island that don't have a fucking high school. You know what I mean? Outside of the private schools that these fucking comprador class send their kids to. You know what I mean? There's a bunch of empty fucking buildings that people should be taking over, expropriating, building fucking schools, education centers, taking over fucking land, farming it, like setting up proper dual power institutions to the point where the state doesn't fucking realize it's like these people are like, like break that reliance on the fucking Puerto Rican state. You know what I mean? And by the Puerto Rican state, I mean the comprador class and the colonial in, in fucking position because People in San Juan don't give a shit. People in Washington don't fucking give a shit. Like, Puerto Ricans showed their resilience after fucking Maria what they're fucking capable of and have been carrying it on. The people fucking Vieques don't have a fucking hospital, haven't had a hospital for how many fucking years now? For, for thousands of days. You know what I mean? And however, you know, however bad the situation is, they're trying to fucking make it work. And it, it comes to a point where we just have to say, 
basta. Like, ya está bueno. Like, that's, it's, it's, it's fucking done. It's over. And we have to take things in our fucking own hands. Talking about the CA listening to this and cutting me off. Like, I don't know. I'm going to cut it there before I, I say some shit. I'm about to say, Leroy, hey, you might be in Australia. Shit, we're still in the fucking, we got Langley just our north, bro. I'm, that's people's war. Goddamn, sending a cold sweat down my spine. Uh, you know, it's interesting though. We've seen, uh, you know, Puerto Rico. We, we, it's, it's. We should, we shouldn't dwell necessarily entirely on, you know, the bad things that are happening in the islands. But like you said, Leroy, we saw the resiliency of the people um, after the last few crises, and we saw, you know, the fruits of that. You know, we saw probably the only successful uh, general strike of my lifetime. Um, because that's what happened. That was a, an authentic, legitimate general strike. Uh, it really did happen with Ricky Renuncia. Um, we, we, you know, we see the future. Both we see the future that the that the tech lords want, and we see the future that progressive, forward thinking, like democratic, revolutionary people think. We see both present, you know, like it's a cliche, socialism or barbarism, right? Well, look, like we we have we see that dilemma. We see that question in Puerto Rico. All right. Anyway, with with all that said, and let me hold on, let me just cap off the conversation with Puerto Rico with a one of my favorite quotes. That's the fucking opening line of Richard of the Earth um, by Franz Fanon. National liberation, national renaissance, the restoration of nationhood to the people, commonwealth, whatever it may be the headings used or the new formulas introduced, decolonization is always a violent phenomenon. Just something to think about. Anyway, mm. heaps of technical difficulties, my technical difficulties, 100% the State Department and Langley and whoever the fuck listening right. in and um, right. making, our, making our conversation difficult here. But um, we're going we're gonna to win. They're just mad. They're just scared. They're scared, which is a good thing. Um, anyway, thanks for tuning in. Um, again, if you support what we do, consider sharing solidarity on our Patreon, patreon.com slash machete mate. You get access to all the cool stuff. Thanks to the people who've already signed on and who've um come on board and been on board for, for some time now. Y'all the best. And again, um, if not, if you're not in the financial position to help us out, which is totally understandable, that's pretty much all we fucking talk about, how about shit everything is anyway. Just consider leaving a review um, and a rating on wherever you listen to us, because that'll go a long way in getting um, us out there, jigging with the um, algorithm. Um, but yeah, uh, again, solidarity with all the Pacifica brothers and sisters out there who are still going through in Tonga, Fiji, Vanuatu, and elsewhere in the Pacific. Um, this coming Wednesday here is Invasion Day or Survival Day here in Australia. So again, fuck the center calling of Australia. Keep that in mind. Um, something to revisit, like a, a deep cut. If you're interested in that, go go way back in the back catalog and listen to our conversation about the um, Aboriginal Tent Embassy that we did feels like 40 years ago. But um, we've yeah. come a long way. But it was it was still it was still a fruitful conversation. I think it was really enjoyable, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, but yeah, um, with that said, thanks for tuning in. Puerto Rico libre, siempre socialista. Um, and till next time, hasta la victoria. Siempre, peace. Later, y'all. Thank you.